Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I am the host, Brianna Battles, founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism and CEO of Everyday Battles. I'm a career strength and conditioning coach, entrepreneur, mom of two wild little boys, and a lifelong athlete. I believe that athleticism does not end when motherhood begins, and this podcast is dedicated to coaching you by providing meaningful conversations, insights, and interview topics related to fitness, mindset, parenting, and of course, all the nuances of pregnancy and postpartum. From expert interviews to engaging conversations and reflections, this podcast is your trustworthy, relatable resource for learning how to practice brave through every season in your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today, I am here with the mom, the myth, and the legend, (laughs) Sharon who is my mom and she's recently gone viral at this point in time. She's pushing a million views on a video of her deadlifting 200 pounds for five reps. And for some reason, the internet just loves to see that shit. Um, So I'm bringing her on the podcast today because we just celebrated her 65th birthday. So right now we're sitting on the porch in Stanley, Idaho on a little vacation and she's pissed at me because she doesn't want to do this podcast because she's anxious and she doesn't know what she's going to say. And she doesn't think that anybody wants to hear from her, but I think this is going to be a really good episode. She just is mad at me right now. Hi mom. Hi everybody. (laughs) Hi Brianna. Hi. So anyway, she's gone viral recently and some context to that is in the real, I said that she was turning 65 in a couple of weeks, but she didn't start lifting or working out until her fifties. So this has all been within the last decade ish um, of her life where she has found fitness and doesn't just dabble in CrossFit. She kind of does everything. So mom, what do you currently like to do for fitness or that are fitness based activities? Besides CrossFit. Besides CrossFit. Oh, well, I love to road bike. And I recently, well, that was my gift from my husband for my birthday was a brand new gravel bike. So um, now I'm going to be riding my gravel bike everywhere. I also have a mountain bike, but this gravel bike I got because we're going to do a trip uh, up north and go on the Hiawatha Trail, which this gravel bike will be perfect because it's going to go through all the tunnels that an old railroad used to go on. So that's going to be fun. Um, And I like to hike. I love hiking. And not just like little hikes. She does freaking all day hikes or at least half day hikes. um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we lived in California, we did Mount Baldy and also trained there to um, hike Mount Whitney, which was um, a 14,000 foot elevation mountain. And so I did that, got very sick with altitude (laughs) sickness on that hike because we did it one day. I call it the death march. It was awful, but um, I did it. Also hiked another 14,000 foot mountain, white mountain uh, in preparation for Whitney. Uh, So did that a few years back and I like to, oh, skiing. I love skiing. I took that up after not skiing for 30 years and found out that I could still do it once we had moved to Reno. 
So I skied there in Reno, but when we moved to Idaho, I met some friends and now I'm skiing like three, four days a week. And I also cross country ski too. I like that too. Yeah. Like boomer culture is she is on a ski lift and then she meets people on the ski lift and then she was going by herself. They invited her to ski and now they go ski together like multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, catch me not making friends on a ski lift and then hanging out. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, but then I found out about, you know, these ski clubs. So I joined like two different ski clubs. So I've been on trips with the ski club. And so that's been fun. Yeah. So, um, she joins all the clubs yeah. and you just recently learned pickleball. Yeah. Oh my God. Of course. It's so fun. I love that. So that's all new. So I took a couple lessons and went, Oh yeah, I like this. And so now I joined another club. So I have people to play with. So I go to CrossFit and from there, um, I change into my clothes and then I go play pickleball. So, and then during the winter, she goes from CrossFit to then changing into her ski clothes and then goes skis and skis all day. Mm -hmm. So you are living a pretty packed retirement life as far as your fitness activities go. Yes. And I, I do love it. It's been a blast. Yeah. But for some other context, again, we said this didn't start until your 50s. Basically, when Desiree and I moved out of the house, we mm -hmm. both went away to college and you were still working, but you suddenly found yourself with a little bit more time. <laughs> right. A lot more time because I wasn't going and watching you guys play yeah. your games and right. traveling right. for all of that. So, yeah, there was there was some downtime where it's like, Oh, I can actually do this thing now. So, yeah. And I, and, uh, the first thing you got into was, um, a little triathlon, which sounds so extreme now, but we, Jared and I were just dating back then. And we had signed up for a couple like sprint or Olympic distance. I don't remember what it was triathlons. My mom was like, well, that kind of looks fun. Yeah. Or yeah. the bike riding seems fun. So we got her a bike for Christmas one year, which was a long time, a freaking long time ago. Um, and it was like giving a little kid a bike because she just was so happy to be able to go out and uh, like just get on a road bike yeah, and explore. I, had, I hadn't ridden a bike, but remember I, that was when, when I signed up for like, do you remember the gym LA fitness? Yeah. So that was my very first, like, Oh, you guys are doing your thing. Maybe I can start going to a gym. Yeah. And so then I was, but I didn't know what to do when I was at the gym. So yeah. all I did was swim. So I started swimming oh, yeah. in the pool and then um, I would just get on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. So I would run and then they, they had those bikes you could sit on and pedal. So that's when Jared said, well, you're already doing a triathlon. You should do this with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so she competed in a triathlon at like 50 something, three, yeah. four, I don't know. Maybe yeah, 52 or something. Yeah, somewhere around there. And so like one extreme to another, but then I started bitching at her to lift more weights because I told her, you know, like, I don't know if you had entered, if you were in menopause at that point in time or not, but, or if you, yeah, like where you were at in that point in time, but just knowing that she really needed to start lifting and getting stronger because she's a really small human and did not have a lot of muscle mass at that point in time. Um, and just did a lot of cardio and she chronically does not eat very much. Just how she operates just isn't someone who eats a whole lot. Um, again, boomer mom culture. So 
Uh, <laughs> I think that that thing always yeah that either. late night chicks account. I don't know her her Instagram, but she does like a lot of boomer mom things. And I swear to God, every single one is um, like my mom. I'll have to I'll have to find her account. Um, so yeah, you just really started to get into that, and then we had started CrossFit. My God, so long ago. Um, eh, summer maybe around 2010 sometime started doing CrossFit and um I told you that you really needed to start lifting in that kind of environment so that you could have better instruction than what you were getting at like an LA fitness like a corporate gym. What I wasn't getting any instruction. Right. Because I didn't know and I was, they were those machines and then yeah and, and then she'd ask free, me and then I would get annoyed. The free weights and like in the free weights there's just a bunch of guys over there and like yeah. Yeah. I but then she was too intimidated to go to a CrossFit and try it out. So I, where was I living? I guess I was in Ventura County at that time and you were in Laverne still. Mm-hmm. And I called around to just different CrossFits in her community within maybe t- a 10 mile radius. And I gave them the breakdown. I was like, this is <laughs> like, what? Uh, like I'm a coach, but this is like, my mom needs a lot of coaching. I don't live close to her. I want to make sure that if she joins knowing that she was going to be the oldest, especially back then, there just was not a lot of like, um, like older, uh, like adults doing CrossFit. So I really wanted to make sure she was in an environment that she was taken care of and would be taught really well. She'd be welcomed. And it wasn't like the 20 year old bro culture of CrossFit. So I called around to different places and ended up having a conversation with a gym owner that was like really supportive. And he said like he'd do everything he could to really take care of her and make sure that she felt good, that he would um, like give me updates or anything like that. And I just felt like she'd be in really good hands going there. And that kicked off her first venture of getting into a CrossFit gym. And you were definitely the oldest person there by far. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everyone was like my age. Oh yeah. And it's, it's still like that. <laughs> it's, it's still like that. I mean, you'll, you'll see some people my age, like, you know, at the other gyms, but, mm-hmm. but mostly twenties, thirties, forties. Yeah. Yeah, no 65 year olds really. They're not that many. Not a whole lot. They're there, but not that many. All right. So you did that. And like, I remember when you first like hit your first like body weight um, deadlift, which was like 115 pounds or something like that. So you really come a long way over a long Yeah, and I was so time. excited. And I remember you kind of like laughed and went, No. Oh, like, mom. You know, like, and I was so stoked, but I didn't realize that. Okay, that's not that big a deal. No, it is a big deal. <laughs> I actually found that picture not that long ago, and it's a really big deal, especially when you go from like not ever working out to that to being able to like. I think for women in general, finding the ability to like lift a barbell can be really, really empowering. Right. I had never touched a barbell. Till, yeah. You know, I started so like in my early fifties. Right. Yeah. So you've come. You've come a long way. But why didn't you ever touch a barbell? Well, they were never around. And like, yeah. I don't know. I was just busy raising you guys and taking you to water polo tournaments and swim tournaments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was. Well, just, yeah, just like wasn't on the radar even during those generations for women to be lifting a lot. That was more of like a like a counterculture, you know, it just was not. Um, it's not what it is now. Even for my generation, there's like. I guess millennials, millennial women, I feel like have really embraced lifting. Um, but prior to this, it just, it was 
few and far between like the opportunities or the amount of people that you saw. Um, Social media has obviously helped a ton with getting more women lifting. But I think to give people some more context, you throughout your adult life, you did not have the opportunity to tap into any kind of fitness or really taking care of yourself at all in any way because you were in survival mode for so long raising Desiree and I. Right, right. Very true. There was no, I mean, I just put myself on the back burner and not even, not even resentfully saying like, I have to, like, I can't do anything. It was, I was so hyper-focused on making sure that you two had the best of everything because going through a, a horrible divorce with a drug addict that uh, was just traumatizing. I wanted to make sure that you girls had the best of everything. So I did everything I could to give you everything so that I wouldn't have to look back and say, oh, well, because of this, they didn't get to do A, B, and C, you know? So yeah, I just did, did what I could. So the focus was work as much as I could to give you as much as I could. Yeah. And like for context, you guys got divorced when we were young, but you know, it was really tumultuous even like in the years leading up to the divorce, divorce was kind of like the the final straw. So it was really like our early, early childhood was good, but I wouldn't say it was probably a super fulfilling life for you. I mean, maybe to a point, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like I knew the trouble was there, but I mean, this gets too deep and stuff, but like, I didn't want to be the one to quote, break up the marriage. Right. Even though he left me a long time ago for his drugs, et cetera. Yeah, different lifestyle. Yeah. Different lifestyle. Yeah. So So like when our, basically we were like babies and toddlers and little, little kids, it was good enough. Mm -hmm. And then it just became increasingly toxic as we were younger kids spiraled. And then when um, you got divorced, you lost pretty much everything. Yep. I lost everything. The house went into foreclosure. I had absolutely nothing. Yeah. And we moved out of what was a pretty nice home into (laughs) like, we laugh about it now. um, But like we moved into this tiny, tiny home um, that was just freaking trashed. Like, but we were even at that young of an age, I was like, 11 maybe like we just were almost excited to just make it our own with mom me and my sister like and she was like yeah you can paint your rooms whatever color and like we'll do this and just like decorate the house and made it just like a Mm (laughs) preteen house but I mean again we went from like a really nice outwardly facing quality of life even though that was really troubling behind the scenes to then like losing it all. And you were working in medical transcription. Mm -hmm. So you could work from home, but you were working like three different jobs and variations of that for basically like different companies to work for. So your volume of work Mm -hmm. was very high. Mm -hmm. Right. So it it was work very early mornings, Mm -hmm. work when you were in school, uh, work when you go to bed and then you know, I could calculate, oh, okay, well, I have X amount of minutes of dictation, so I should finish. Okay, so all right, all right, that'll get me up till like one or two. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. Yeah. We would basically go to sleep and she'd go back to work and then we'd wake up and she'd be at the same spot on her computer, still trying to work. And just, it was like this chronic, chronic state of work. But the trade-off was she dropped us off at school. She picked us up from school. She drove us to swim practice or water polo practice, whatever it was. Like she was there to like make dinners for us. We didn't have like a whole lot of family support either. Like there wasn't a lot of people that um, were around to like help like grandparents or anything. They were all living further away or had passed away. Mm -hmm. Right. At that point in time. Mm -hmm. So it just was a years of like, basically through like my middle school and high, early high school was a lot of just like survival mode. And then you met Tom, my stepdad and you guys got married. um, Yeah. Like high school ish. And but even still, I think you were in a state of these are my kids and my responsibility to raise. And like Tom has always been supportive and really like not overstepping with Desiree and I at all. But I know that you still took the brunt of responsibility of like caring for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All that's true. Um, and I, I think I had the misnomer that, oh, okay, well, now I have you know, a husband and he's going to be able to say what I mean my the tag team when I'm like you're giving me so much crap that I'm just like yeah. I want to tap out but he always said no that's not my role I'll support you I'll stand by you on your side but um you know this has to be you because they will grow up and resent me and yeah. you don't want that so um which is true <laughs> I definitely would have yeah yeah a sassy ass teenager yeah. um didn't want to be told what to do by anybody and frankly still um yeah so I know that it was still just like a lot on you and I think we're just giving this context to show that like I think we see people that are inspirational or like fitness or this or that but like you have no idea where they come from and what they've experienced in their life and what you see now is not always like a representation of where they've been and I know that like for sure having any kind of social media presence there's a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about me and I think that people can even like look at you now because like you're living in a freaking like what is considered a dream house for you and I know that you never thought that was freaking possible oh my gosh no never never did especially when we think about the house that we moved into like you said that was right. kind of trash and there's like so the cockroaches everywhere oh my gosh yeah you couldn't go in the garage without turning the light on and waiting to see where they, the cockroaches ran to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we had like no money growing up. Like we were just like, I just remember, you know, you having to like send emails to my coaches and just saying like, we could, there's certain things we couldn't afford or maybe needed like an extra time to pay or just things where we were, you know, we worked really hard to make sure that Desert and I didn't go without, but at the same time we were living pretty bare minimum. Yeah. And I think about that now, like every time, Cause my boys freaking burn through their shoes. Like they destroy them so fast. And I'm like, when I was your age, like I got shoes once a year, maybe at the beginning of the school year. And they had to last me because we couldn't afford to get like new shoes all the time. And like my kids burn through them all the time. Like you guys have no freaking idea how lucky you are to be like being raised under different financial circumstances. Right. No like idea. Thinking about like, even when you getting a letterman's jacket and mm-hmm. then, you know how expensive those are and yeah. all the things that go on them or mm-hmm. prom, like the, oh, all that stuff, is the dress, yeah. the shoes, the hair, the, the yeah. cost of, you know, yeah. It was, so that's the stuff that I didn't want you guys to go without. Right. Um, 
Yeah. And we didn't like you made sure all of that happened, but like behind the scenes, it just took a lot to be like, quote, a normal presenting kid who didn't present like we were as poor as we were, but you had to do a lot in order to make that happen. I think that's people just like, don't get that. Like they don't get where you come from or what you've experienced and uh, what it actually took to get by and then also become successful. Well, and, and I think too, like fitness related, it's, it's so freeing to be, I say this, like when, when I wasn't able to do anything, like that's why I admire you and Desiree and like all these kids that are at the gym, like they all have young kids. And they're, they're still, that's 30 year old kids, yeah. 40 year old kids, <laughs> and, but they're still able to go and they're working out and, yeah. and, and they can bring their kids. It's such a different yeah. way of being able to raise your kids now. And since I didn't get to do that, what it's so exciting to me, like what I get to go to the gym, what I get to go ski now. Like I can mm-hmm. go and play when before all I did was work. Yeah. Work, 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 work. Yeah. You like never got to play. And so it's so much fun to be able to just go and have fun. Yeah. And I think so many of us take that for granted, like living, growing up in a different culture where maybe fitness is a lot more um, mainstream for us to be pursuing, you know, like I've created a whole brand around that, like, but that just was not the norm for her generation. Um, and certainly not the norm for anybody who's struggling and people that are, you know, still struggling, like fitness is a luxury. We can't forget that. It's a huge privilege to be able to afford a gym membership or to have the the time, freedom and flexibility to go to a set class time or whatever it might be. And for a lot of people, that's still a privilege that they don't get to experience in this, whatever season of life that they're in. So like, that's something I will never lose sight of is a lot of my work is coming is created from a really significant place of privilege. And with that, like, how can we create a lot more opportunities for people to not totally lose themselves in the season of struggle and their that they're in, but that's a really hard line to navigate, I think. But I also think that, yeah, it's a privilege, but uh, and I love the fact that I am able to do that because what I see with people my same age or older, or maybe even younger mm-hmm. uh, is they don't, feel is good yeah in their bodies and and they can't they can't do the movements maybe that I do like even like squatting like they 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 can't even squat like yeah like all of your like friends that you've met that are around your age ish just have a significantly like lower level of fitness well, than you right like like well I can do 40 pounds or you know I'm I don't know I, yeah you have a better I, quality of I life I keep thinking like well yeah you can do it you just you just gotta to start and you just modify and you just you can do it. Like, yeah, I think people get a lot of like stories in their head around like what aging means as it relates to fitness that like, by the time you're 35, for example, like you should start feeling like shit. Like I always see these memes, even for my age where it's like, basically, yeah, once you're like 35, it all goes downhill. Like you start, your back hurts when you wake up or all these things. I'm like, that just doesn't have to be true. Like it just doesn't have to be true. And then fast forward another six or 30 years, like when you're 65 and still doesn't have to be true that you're chronically feeling like shit or now suddenly unable to participate in sports or fitness or movement because of your age. It has a lot to do with the foundation you've created slowly over time. And I think you're a perfect example of, it's not that you've created this lifetime 
foundation of fitness, you've created like the last decade of fitness for you. So it's never too late to start and create a foundation to improve the quality of life and your experiences because of your fitness, you are able to do all of the things you like to do, skiing, hiking, cycling, um, pickleball, like all of your just, and like, honestly, even just hanging out with my two little boys, which are fierce, energetic creatures. They got a lot of physicality and energy. And I think that especially for kids like that, you're able to babysit them and, and hang all day. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people get really tired hanging out with kids or they feel like they could never go on them even a three mile hike or lift their bike on top of their car, whatever it might be. Like there's so many basic quality of life things that you do that are related to your fitness that it's not that because you've been doing a long time, it's just, you've created a slow foundation over the years. Well, yeah. And being able to lift, I think, I think staying involved in CrossFit, like I, I've never been afraid to try something. So, cause I always, mm-hmm. I've always listened to the coaches who say, well, you can modify this. And so I've never gone in with the mindset of, oh, well, I have to be able to lift this. That's like, I've, I just try it, see what I can lift and oh, okay, well, and that's how that 200 pound deadlift happened. Like mm-hmm. when we tried it out, like I barely got to 185 pounds and that was super hard. And so then we worked on it like a six week cycle. and so. I thought, okay, well, I'll try to get to 190 just to like surpass that. Okay, if I could get to 190 and I did it. And so the coach said, well, you know, you want to want to give it another try, try for 200. And so it's like, well, but I guess the worst thing that would happen was I, I wouldn't be able to budget. Yeah. And so I I tried it and surprised myself I would be <laughs> able to do it. But again, like, I don't know why that was such a big deal. Like for, you're saying there's so many views because like, you are so many women there's women <laughs> in my gym that can lift almost 300 pounds yeah but you, you know? are 65 and you weigh 115 pounds that's mm-hmm. why it's different because we don't see that it's normal to see somebody maybe my age and frankly my stature lift really heavy but it's not normal to see someone like you pull that kind of weight and you know I was super excited more than that deadlift was just last week Oh no, it was this, yes, yeah, just this week. I did um we had to see what our one rep max was for just Your doing push a press. push press. Mm-hmm. And I it was the first time I've ever put a hundred pounds over my head ever. Yeah. And and that again is probably not a lot for a lot of people, but for me, that's like yeah, a big deal. I, yeah, it was a really big deal. So um I was super happy about yeah. that. I was surprised because I don't think I could do that again. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a great example of like age doesn't determine like when you stop hitting PRs, like you can make progress over time. And like, some of us have like a longer runway because we've been doing this. I mean, I've been lifting since I was 20, but so like maybe my timeline of like seeing significant gains it, I've just been at this a lot longer, but you're still in a season where again, it's never too late to start. And it's never too late to continually make significant progress. And it's not accomplished in just a six-week cycle. Like, yeah, we can have these micro-focuses, but it is about the accumulation of like years of consistently participating, at least a couple of days a week of doing something. And not perfectly, 
but just consistently showing up over time like that, that yields a lot of return on your investment into the quality of life that you want. Absolutely. Oh, I think a lot of people are like, oh, they spend a lot of time in the gym, but I go and do the hour and I'm doing that because I really want to be able to go out and, okay, let's go ride 30 miles now. Yeah. <laughs> or let's, let's go do that hike in the mountains or, okay, I want to go play four games of pickleball. And that, yeah. CrossFit is not your life. It just, it complements your life. And yet, how did you, you have participated in the CrossFit open mm-hmm. for the last, I mean, long, long time. time, like pretty much every year you do the open and every single year you place really well. And you do very well in the open, like in Nevada, what you got like second in Nevada when you were living there. Yeah. When, when they were doing it by state. Yeah. yeah. I know it's changed so much. And right. then now it, like, and then this past year you did really, really well too. Yeah. And that was so disappointing. Like I came in, like, I don't know, I think it was like 50 something in the world, um, in the open. And then, and so I went on to the quarterfinals and, and I did the quarterfinals and, unofficially I think I was like 33 or 34 I don't remember what it was but then I didn't submit the videos because I thought that if they needed them you would submit them so I didn't submit them and then I got big fat zero on everything so it put me in like last place so I didn't move on I don't even know if I would have gone into the semis but yeah um, but yeah I was close enough because it was like the top 30 I think would have gone but Point being, you know how that would have stressed me out. I would have not. Yeah, she's always a wreck. Anyway. She's a wreck during the open, and I'm like, mom, like you don't even give a shit about this. Like ultimately, like you just do CrossFit pretty recreationally so that you can go and do all your other activities. It's not like you're like training for the games. It's so hard. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I can't do this. This is way over my head. I just cannot do it. And then I just try and do what I can. <laughs> yeah, and have an anxiety attack the whole time. And I think that's like that's such a difference between. And like, I know you and I talk about this a lot, like where you never grew up, like being competitive or knowing how to compete or being in any kind of sports or yeah. fitness environments. But like Desiree and I, like, that's all we do was like individual and team sports. And now like our kids, like they're competing and kind of learning how to manage a lot of their emotions and anxieties around it. But like, you're still a kid in that way where you're, right. <laughs> where whenever you have to compete or perform, you like have a meltdown about right. it. Well, try being 60. I know. And like, you have to like, <laughs> right. I don't know anything about wh- how you manage. Wh- I don't know what do you, they even call it. Yeah. You know? Just like, like sports anxiety, like yeah. not being yeah, just like performance anxiety. Yeah. So. And like that never goes away for anyone. You just get like better at like, get better at like understanding and preparing for it and like kind of channeling it differently but you've gotten so much better at that over time like I remember your first triathlon I thought you were going to send Jared freaking overboard but like all your questions and your anxieties and you're like freaking hyperventilating and he is just such a like calm person that he is like what is happening with you right now (laughs) so you definitely made a lot of progress there but it just shows like another example of like freaking put your kids in sports so they at least understand how to like navigate any kind of performance anxiety that they're going to experience throughout their lifetime. Um, oh, I, I would highly recommend that because I hate, I hate that feeling. Like I just feel so nervous and then it's like three, two, one, go. Okay. And so then you just go and then you do yeah. it. And now then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm all right once I do it. Right. And look again, that's like, that's everybody, but it's knowing what to do with it a little bit 
like before so that it it doesn't sabotage you either and doesn't create a lot of stories in your head about you know i think a lot of people struggle with that defining them or their worth but fortunately i think you're mature enough to know like this is fine and i have a lot of other things that i'm interested in and not you know people i think my age or a little bit younger really used to attaching their fitness to their like identity so much so that it creates a lot of problems you know yeah where we are used to well i have to look this way i have to perform this way if i don't hit this number then like i'm not as good as i once was or whatever and that's why you know my business is has done well because it's such a huge it's so attached to people's identities as they shift through the transition of becoming a mom. And like, what does this mean for me as an athlete? What does this mean for me as a person? Can I still be who I was now that I'm frankly a different person, physically changed, mentally changed, emotionally changed, but you've lived through um, a lot of different identities Mm -hmm. throughout your lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really powerful for people to be reminded of is like who you are 20 and 30 and the life you're living what you're participating in, even <laughs> who you're around, where you live, that's going to change a shit ton of times. Right. Right. Um, and, and I think too, like more important than any of this stuff is being, being healthy enough to be a grandma. Like, yeah, that is so huge to me be, to be able to say, okay, let's go. We're going on a ride. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to go bike ride or what the kids or i'm gonna play basketball with them right um baseball whatever whatever it's gonna be like okay how about even last week um kate like messes up his knee at some party where you're in california you're yeah. jujitsu thing jared's <laughs> at work and and he i don't know he can't move he says he did something to his knee always and emt's there she looks at his knee yeah it's swollen and so now two guys have to help him into the car i take him home and he is still complaining. It says he can't walk. So I carried this kid up how many flights of stairs to get upstairs yeah. to put him into bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, if I wasn't lifting, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. And I don't know how much he weighs, but like. You would have been like, walk your ass upstairs, Kate. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. Like you, I think being a grandma and being a mom does require like a baseline level of like fitness and athleticism so that you're not so that your back doesn't hurt so that your knees don't hurt so that there is a little bit of a foundation or if they do hurt you have a good way of being able to like manage that so that you can still have a certain quality of life and perform the basic activities you need to do um again as as you age right because you kids have nowadays these these car seats that are heavy as oh my god i can't yeah. you put the baby in that it's mm-hmm. like I need two hands to just lift that. No, like, yeah. yeah, those are not ergonomic at all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so I think there's yeah, just like their athleticism translates through motherhood and through grandmotherhood, mm-hmm. and uh, you're a great example of that of just showing them, especially like the life you're living in your 30s, which for you was dramatic and awful and toxic. And I mean, you were, you were so anxious and depressed. You were under a hundred pounds. You weren't eating, you weren't exercising. You were just living in survival mode, Mm -hmm. but 30 years later, and it didn't take that long to like be happy again, but like just fast forward 30 years, you're living in an incredible home. 
in freaking Idaho who saw that coming, not us. And um, you're happily married Mm -hmm. and you got your grandkids and you're living a retired life that you never thought was even possible. Absolutely. So there's hope for everyone, no matter what situation you're in. And and I think kind of just, if you can look forward, I, that's one thing I never really did to say like, okay, 10 years from now, I want to be doing this and mm-hmm. 10 years from now. And I'm still kind of like, I kind of just live in the moment. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but I try to stay in today so yeah. that I'm not thinking about uh, 10 years from now. Cause that, that could, that can stress you out when you think about, especially when you get older. Well, right. And my husband is older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like for me to think, well, where are we going to be 10 years from now? Am I still going to have a husband? Am I still going to be around? Like, yeah. you know, so it gets weird in this decade of life, but staying in today and just literally enjoying what I've been given each day is a blessing. So, yeah, no, you are very good about like living in the moment. I'm always like fast forward. And, and I think a lot of us at my age in our thirties tend to look and be like, well, I used to be able to do this or my life was this before I got pregnant. So there's almost like some grief because our recent history is still so recent of like that identity. And we see that with Desiree right now with her being in her first year postpartum of like, she's almost as much as she's happy about Theo and becoming a mom. And I mean, I see this daily in my work. I've lived this myself. Like it's also easy to grieve like the life that you had prior where maybe there was more freedom where you could go to the gym whenever you wanted, or you didn't have the extra stress of childcare, this or whatever, like all these different variables that you face when you become a mom, even though you are genuinely grateful for your baby in this new season, it's hard to not grieve the life you had prior. And then it can be hard to acclimate the life that you're in now. Cause then you're looking forward. You're well, I want to get my body back and I want to feel normal again. And I want to, have a little bit more freedom and I don't want it, this baby attached to my boob or this toddler hanging on me or like you're always like looking forward and I think you're an example of like you get to a point where you can actually just be and I I don't know if I'm getting there too it may be a little bit more now that my boys are slightly older we're like less in that survival mode where I do have a little bit more freedom I'm kind of on like the other side of the baby toddlerhood now where I can say like, I do have a little bit more time to myself. I can, you know, tap into this, like finding jujitsu, even competing in jujitsu, the things that require more intensity and volume than like I ever had the ability to have prior. I don't know. It's just like shit evolves so fast and so slow at the same time. Well said. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I don't know. Like you just, I guess you just do a good job, good job of showing like what it means to live in the present. And then also what it looks like to totally reinvent your entire life and who you are and reinvent your identity. Cause the mom that you are now is not the mom that raised Desiree and I. Oh yeah. Like you're not, you're not the, that you're not that person, not even close. Oh, I never even thought about it like that, but yeah, that is true. Yeah. You were just like in survival mode, never took care of yourself. Always just like, I don't know, like hyper vigilant in a lot of ways just to protect Desiree and I. And also very much like (laughs) you just raised us to be so independent because you never wanted us to have to rely on anybody to take care of us financially 
emotionally, physically, like anything. You're basically like never rely on a man for anything. And so like you guys are going to college, you're going to get your education. You're going to be able to support yourself. And like, just always basically like, I hope you find like happiness and success and love in a marriage, but like also be able to back your shit up if you can't. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like there was just this hypervigilance of being raised by a single mom that was like, you work your ass off and you always be able to take care of yourself. Yeah. That boy, that takes me back to remembering those bedtime conversations that we would have. <laughs> Tucking each one of you in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think a lot of people that are raised by a single mom kind of have similar thoughts, whether they were told that directly or they saw that play out of like, I need to be able to take care of myself or wanting your kids to have something different than what you had or whatever. And just wanting to protect that. And I mean, I see that with my kids. It's like, well, I'm giving them a way different lifestyle than what I grew up having. But I also am like, bitches don't take that for granted. Like you have no idea. You have no idea how good you have it. And um, it's just, it's just interesting being able to like, look back on well, yeah, that's that, true. that that adage of you want, you want more for your kids than you want better for them than mm-hmm. what you had. Right. And so that I also think about this, this weekend, like here I am turning 65 and what a huge surprise, like what you're going to take me to a surprise birthday. Like I couldn't believe that you and Jared would do this for me. And I was so excited that I still can't believe that you would take me somewhere like this for an entire weekend. And that's, I I just think that's amazing that here I raised you and we weren't able to take a whole lot of vacations. Right. And now like when you took me to Iceland and now you've done this and just what, yeah. what a, blessing that is you never grow up thinking oh your kids are going to do something like that for you (laughs) because you're the mom you do it for them but here it's it's turned the table so yeah well that's this is the kind of success and wealth I want to have is to be able to like accumulate experiences and then be able to share that with you because I wouldn't be in the position I'm in if you hadn't pushed me in that position early on so this is a way that I get to like you reap the the benefits of the work you laid down originally. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be able to do any of that if it weren't for that push. And then something I say, like when it comes up a lot in with the PNPA coaches, like is imposter syndrome. And that's not really something I've struggled with because you as a mom, you believed in Desiree and I so much that like we almost didn't have the opportunity to question if we were good enough or valuable enough or smart enough or talented enough because it was just like it was such a strong belief system that you had in us that it it almost like forced us like you brainwashed us into believing we were successful and good and talented even before we were good successful and talented (laughs) and so like that fueled I think in a lot of ways like I don't second guess what I'm like if I want to do something I just I do it and I make it happen but I, it's almost like this confidence that you instilled in a way that I don't think is very common. And, you know, so it's not something I struggle with because you believed in us very early on. And so adamantly that, again, we just had no choice but to believe in ourselves and to go do the thing that you said that we could do or should do or wanted to do or whatever. And I think that's such a powerful 
parenting tool that I didn't really recognize until I was in business and started hearing so many stories about people just like questioning if they're, if they're good enough, if they're smart enough, if they're all these things, I'm like, of of course you are like, you're already doing this or whatever, but they just have so much insecurity attached to their, what they're doing or, you know, whatnot. And like, that's just not, you've just did such a really good job of that. And that's something I try to do with my boys is like, I just want to believe in them so fiercely that they never have an opportunity to question if they are worthy and talented and able, like just, that's probably the one parenting thing that I am like adamant about mm-hmm. is fiercely believing in them, not questioning them. Yep. I, that's hugely important. And, and I think you, I might've talked about this before. So I instilled that in you all, mm-hmm. but I did not have that growing up myself. Right. So yeah, anybody that knows my stories, like not only did I not ever pick up a barbell till I was in my fifties, but I never was involved in any sports at all, mm-hmm. at all through my life because uh, my mom put all her focus on my brother who was the athlete. And and that's like back in those days, I, I think yeah. that was probably pretty common. Yeah. 60s um, and 70s. Yeah. So, um, so I never got to experience anything about team sports or individual sports or anything like that. And also my mother, I think as a protection for me, I, I mean, I'm still trying to process even that to this day, but she <laughs> would say, um, don't get your hopes up because that might not happen. Yeah. And so that was said to me enough in my lifetime that I think it developed a lot of insecurity and lack of self-confidence. And that has stuck with me to this day where, mm-hmm. where when I am at CrossFit, I'm like, oh. I don't know, that seems pretty heavy. And I have to do that how many times? Like, I don't think I can do that. And then sometimes I can do it. But it's like I go in with this lack of confidence. And don't don't get your hopes up. Yeah, Yeah. I I don't know how to overcome that even at my age. So um, I never wanted that to happen with you and Desiree. So that's where that I think evolved uh, because I knew what I how I was raised and like never thinking I could do something. And, and that's not good at all because it's not just sports. That's in anything you, you do in life. Like you mm-hmm. don't believe you can do it. I mean, in, in your schoolwork and in, in, in your work life, like it just translates. So it's so much better to have confidence and go out and attack the world. Yeah. Well, and it just goes to show like you can have, zero confidence and a ton of insecurity and still figure out how to save yourself. And like, you can overcome that. Like you were not confident leaving your marriage. You were not confident raising us as a single mom. You were not confident doing all those things. But like one thing you've said a lot is like, I had no choice. Like I had to like, and that like literally, I don't know, like, being forced into the storm or, you know, whatever those expressions are about, like thrown into the fire a little bit, like forces you to learn a lot about yourself and to like build confidence through those reps of doing hard things. And I just think you've, you've done a good job of showing that, like, even if that was not instilled in you, and even if that's something you still struggle with, you get better because you keep doing it and exposing yourself to certain situations, whether by choice or circumstance, where like you have no other choice. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, I think this wraps a good 65th birthday podcast episode. We got to go eat before my family gets super irritated with us. They probably already are. Um, But thank you for listening. If you're not already, you should follow my mom on Instagram. I'm going to help her post more. Um, But we created an account a few years ago um, for her. The first time she went kind of viral about Ziploc baggies. Uh, Remember that? (laughs) Yeah. And I always feel like I don't really have, why would anybody want to follow me? I have nothing important to say like you do. So no, you do. Well, we just recorded a podcast of important shit you have to say. So her Instagram account is mom, the number four, everyone, because she kind of is the mom for everyone. She's very encouraging. She's always been the mom that had all of us as teenagers around the kitchen counter, really supportive of all of my friends growing up. And she's really supportive of like every single person. She genuinely believes in them and actually gives a shit. Like she, she genuinely cares. Like some of us say we care, but she like, she actually cares to a very empathetic I level. Know, Cause I'm really interested in everybody's lives and yeah. I love watching everybody succeed. And- yeah. So she, uh, follow her on Instagram. And I will encourage her to actually post more. Well, you usually like try to, I don't even know how to make a reel. I know. Like, we'll do all that. I know. Well, we're going to do our best here. All right. Have a good one. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave a review or any of the other episodes on this podcast that helps get this out into the world. And I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practice Brave podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and help us spread the work we are doing to improve the overall information and messaging in the fitness industry and beyond. Now, if you are pregnant and you are looking for a trustworthy exercise program to follow, I have you covered. The Pregnant Athlete Training Program is a well-rounded program for pregnancy with workouts for each week that are appropriate for your changing body. That's 36 weeks of workouts three to four workouts each week and tons of guidance on exercise strategy. We also have an at-home version of that program. If you are postpartum and you're looking for an exercise program to follow, the eight-week postpartum athlete training program would be a really great way to help bridge the gap between rehab and the fitness you actually want to do. From there, we have the Practice Brave Fitness Program, which is an ongoing strength conditioning program where you get new workouts each week and have a lot of guidance from myself and my co-coach, Heather Osby. This is the only way that I'm really offering ongoing coaching at this point in time. If you have ever considered becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, I would love to have you join us. Pregnancy and postpartum athleticism is a self-paced online certification course that will up-level your coaching skills and help connect the dots between pelvic health and long-term athletic performance, especially during pregnancy and postpartum become who you needed and become who your online and local community needs by becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Thank you again for listening to the Practice Brave podcast. I appreciate you and please help me continue spreading this messaging, this information and this work. Mm -hmm.